Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. talk about myths baby and i'm your host Liv. you know the one teaching you about the origins of the word lesbian and having random strangers on the internet claim that lesbos is a slur because they thought you wrote a derogatory word for lesbians in the title of an episode but it was definitely 
Lesbos, you know, the name of the Greek island where Sappho the lesbian came from. Anyway, enough about the fun of being a successful woman on the internet. Today's episode is about, well, another major part of being a woman on the internet. Misogyny. But misogyny when it comes to the so-called first woman. The origin of Eve. The woman whose so-called curiosity released all the world's evils. Pandora. Except that's not at all what happened. But before we get there, a bit of quick programming info. So first, I didn't have another Pride-related narrative episode to do for today, but I do have a bonus Pride-related conversation that's coming on Friday, even though it'll be July by then. I spoke with Emma Pauly, who, among other things, specializes in the back eye, and they spoke all about the epic non-binariness of Dionysus and how that version of the god fits specifically within Bacchae. Cannot wait for you to hear that chat. And in other news, I did also want to let you know that over the next few weeks, for the first time, well, almost ever, really, I will be taking some time off from the podcast to actually rest myself and my brain a little bit. You will still have episodes of the show to listen to, but they will either be new readings of the Argonautica, new conversations, or re-airing of some of my favorite episodes. I've done this before, obviously, like re-aired old episodes, but it was always because some project or other related thing to the podcast or Greek mythology (laughs) made it so that I was so busy on everything else that I didn't have time to write a new episode. But this time it's because I'm actually taking time off. What a concept. Except not entirely, because I still want to finish writing my novel. It never ends. And... July 20th is going to be the four-year anniversary episode of this podcast, so I'm doing something special and connected with that, with that very special episode. There's going to be a signed book giveaway that I'm going to announce next week in the introduction to the re-aired episode and on the Myths Baby Instagram and on Patreon, so stay tuned in any of all of those places. And from there, I will be back with a series of new summer fun episodes, and by summer fun I mean fresh and shitty heroes, because goddamn if those hero stories aren't so fun to research and write. But for now, today, the so-called first woman of Greek mythology, Pandora. I have been thinking a lot about Pandora lately, and the more I think about her, the more I read about her, and the more I see how her story has been interpreted over time, the more I wanted to give her a real in-depth episode, one devoted explicitly to Pandora herself and all the ways in which her story has mutated and been misinterpreted in order to either fit the Bible story or the patriarchal and misogyny generally, or how it's been broadly mistranslated or selectively translated, the way it's generally just been fucked with in order to make Pandora something that she was not. This is episode 132, Pandora, the Beautiful Evil, 
and the misogyny of her curiosity. Pandora, according to a more modern understanding of the origins of humanity within Greek myth, was the first woman, or the so-called first woman. In the sources we have on her, she is not called the first woman. She is a woman and understood to be the origin of a lot of the understandings of human women, particularly the misogynistic ones. But she's not officially the first woman in the sources, though who came before her is not explicit. There's a lot of caveats there, even just of the understanding of the first humans and thus Pandora, because the idea of how and why humanity came about can vary a lot. The goddesses were, you know, in a way, women, and so this idea of Pandora being the first woman just has a lot going on. Sometimes there are ages within humanity in the mythology when the best of the heroes lived with the idea being that that age of people died out or certain types of heroism with them. This is sort of nonsensical, but in Hesiod, our main and earliest surviving source, Pandora is simply a woman. An early woman, yes. The source of all evils, yes. A woman molded of clay by the gods, yes. But we may believe that good women existed before, and Hesiod is simply giving us a bit of a lamentation on the state of women in his time. Yes, sometimes Hesiod very much resembles the angry man of the internet today, who believed that feminism is an evil and that women are out to ruin all men. You know the ones. But smarter minds than mine can debate the merits of Hesiod. I'm just here to tell you what he said. To remind you of what came before Pandora, Zeus and the Olympians created the current age of humanity. Prometheus gave them fire, Zeus punished him, and then he punished humanity for even having fire. In time, we will dive deeper into Prometheus giving fire to the humans and the punishment that he received for it. But now we're talking Pandora. So to begin at the beginning, quote, And Zeus who thunders on high was stung in spirit, and his dear heart was angered when he saw amongst men the far-seeing ray of fire. Forthwith he made an evil thing for men as the price of fire, for the very famous limping god Hephaestus formed of earth the likeness of a shy maiden, as the son of Kronos willed. And so begins Hesiod, our earliest surviving source on Pandora. That in itself, that he is our surviving source, is an issue when it comes to understanding her. Hesiod is a great source for so many of the earliest myths and stories, but he also... Well, let me just keep going with this quote... But when he had made the beautiful evil to be the price for the blessing, he brought her out, delighting in the finery which the bright-eyed daughter of a mighty father had given her, to the place where the other gods and men were. And wonder took hold of the deathless gods and mortal men when they saw that which was sheer guile, not to be withstood by men." For from her is the race of women and female kind. Of her is the deadly race and tribe of women who live amongst mortal men to their great trouble. 
no help meets in hateful poverty, but only in wealth. Zeus, whose thunders on high made women to be an evil to mortal men, with a nature to do evil. And he gave them a second evil to be the price for the good they had. Whoever avoids marriage and the sorrows that women cause, and will not wed, reaches deadly old age without anyone to tend his years. And though he at least has no lack of livelihood while he lives, yet when he is dead, his kinsfolk divide his possessions amongst them. And as for the man who chooses the lot of marriage and takes a good wife suited to his mind, evil continually contends with good. For whoever happens to have mischievous children lives always with the unceasing grief in his spirit and heart within him, and this evil cannot be healed. Now that is an abridged introduction to Pandora. Granted, I took out some of the more descriptive things about her creation because my point is simply Hesiod. That is Hesiod's theogony one of the two earliest versions that we have on this first woman. It is obviously where we get this idea that Pandora, as the first woman and thus the model for all future women, is straight up evil. But I think you'll agree that there's some commentary in there that isn't necessarily an agreed upon statement across this ancient culture. It sounds pretty clear to me that Hesiod is letting his own opinions and maybe some past experiences sneak in. But that isn't the only version of Pandora that we have from these very early days, these 8th century BCE days. Except, well, the other early mention of her and her story of all these evils being released upon the Earth specifically also comes from Hesiod. And if you can believe it, this next one sounds even less impartial. This next taste of the first woman, this early understanding of the role women played in the world, the groundwork for the Eve, who would come much later, comes from Hesiod's works and days. And like the first bit, I've abridged it to make Hesiod's point very clear. Because this is where we get the idea of Epimetheus being her husband and being involved in her origins, and where we get the idea of the box, or rather the jar. All of that comes not from the Theogony, but from Hesiod's works and days. Quote, But I will give men as the price for fire an evil thing which they may all be glad of heart while they embrace their own destruction. So said the father of men and gods, and laughed aloud. And he called this woman Pandora, all gifts, because all they who dwell on Olympus gave each a gift, a plague to men who eat bread. But when he had finished the sheer hopeless snare, the father sent glorious Hermes, the swift messenger of the gods, to take it to Epimetheus as a gift, and Epimetheus did not think on what Prometheus had said to him, bidding him never take a gift from Olympian Zeus, but to send it back for fear it might prove to be something harmful to men. But he took the gift, and afterwards, when the evil thing was already his, he understood. For ere this the tribes of men lived on earth remote, and free from ills, and hard toil, and heavy sickness which bring the caries upon men, for in misery men grow old quickly. 
But the woman took off the great lid of the jar with her hands and scattered all these, and her thought caused sorrow and mischief to men. Only hope remained there in an unbreakable home within the under rim of the great jar, and did not fly out at the door, for ere that the lid of the jar stopped her, by the will of Aegis holding Zeus who gathers the clouds. But the rest, countless plagues, wandered amongst men, for earth is full of evils and the sea is full. Of themselves diseases come upon men continually by day and by night, bringing mischief to mortals silently, for wise Zeus took away speech from them. So is there no way to escape the will of Zeus? So many things going on here, just so many Hesiod is quite the character when you get him talking about ladies. So those are the earliest descriptions we have for Pandora and her story that would become so popular and so distorted over time to the point where it barely resembles even these deeply misogynist details that are laid out by Hesiod. If you can say that Hesiod's version of Pandora is nicer to women than much of the other details of stories told of her today, you know you've got a real problem. But before I dive into what is so wrong about modern understandings of her, let's break down that recitation of Hesiod. So Zeus had Pandora created. According to Hesiod, it's Hephaestus that creates her, though there are other claims depending on where you look. Regardless, she is created by the gods almost explicitly as punishment for humanity. She is presented as not necessarily the first woman ever, but the first woman from whom all other later women descend i.e. the women from Hesiod's time who he loves and respects so much. Pandora becomes the mother of Pyrrha, the woman who, along with Deucalion, survived the flood and repopulated the earth. If you want to refresh on that, I told their story and that of the Great Deluge earlier this year. Because of this, the claim that Pandora is the progenitor of the women who came after her is pretty clear, even if she wasn't officially a first. Next, Pandora is given to Epimetheus, the titan and the brother of Prometheus. She is brought to earth by Hermes, and there's a jar, a pithos. It's pretty clear that the jar is sent by the gods as well, with the intention being that the evils within it will be released, and thus the punishment upon humanity is fulfilled. Pandora opens the jar, releasing the world's evils, and only hope remains within it. That is Hesiod. Those are Pandora's origins, and we're left wondering, why? Why did she do this? Modern interpretations of her are here to give us the answers, the deceptive, misogynist, dark-as-all-fuck answers that have little to no basis in the mythology. When you look into Pandora today, you get all of these intelligent-sounding descriptions and interpretations of her story. That the story of Pandora is an allegory for the dangers of curiosity, specifically feminine curiosity. That humanity's curiosity is also its hubris. Curiosity this, curiosity that. Because if Pandora is driven by curiosity, and that curiosity causes the release of all evils, 
And if that curiosity, as some claim, was also given to her by Hera, then all those evils are doubly caused by women. I have yet to find a source for Hera giving Pandora curiosity, but it seems to be widely used out there, and blaming a woman for the perceived fault of another is par for the course. But if it isn't about how bad Pandora's curiosity was, then it's that Pandora and so all women were a punishment upon men. Which, I mean, on that most base level, Hesiod is definitely in agreement. But those interpretations go further with the claim that Pandora, and thus women, symbolize dread. One website I found in looking for these wild ideas that you find about Pandora today described an interpretation of her as, quote, the quintessential woman was created to beguile men with her beauty and uncontrollable sexuality, to introduce falsehood and treachery and disobedience into their lives. Yeah, gross. And where did Hesiod say any of that? And Hesiod is a misogynist. And even he didn't go that dark and deep into Pandora being personally, with agency, responsible for all of this. There's a great many think pieces, it seems, on Pandora being driven by curiosity and thus opening the jar and letting out the evils of the world. That being the case, her legitimately being curious makes the release of the evils her fault or driven by her personally, therefore adding blame to the woman for the release of evils. But as you read in my reading of Hesiod, he doesn't describe her any agency at all. Nothing that happens in Hesiod is the fault of Pandora or is driven by Pandora's personal actions. Even Hesiod, who clearly thinks incredibly highly of women, haha, JK, doesn't make the release of evils Pandora's fault. He just thinks all women are inherently an evil plague forced upon men as punishment. Hesiod's fun, isn't he? Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand. Tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. 
You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. The idea of Pandora being curious and opening the jar out of her own personal curiosity, her own intelligence, her own will, her own wondering what's within the jar, is mostly invented. The ancient sources we have on her gave little to no agency to the woman. She is simply there, doing the thing, or often not even doing the thing, she's just there. In fact, a version of Pandora's story and her jar appears in the super-famous Aesop's Fables from the 6th century BCE, with, quote, Zeus gathered all the useful things together in a jar and put a lid on it. He then left the jar in human hands, but man had no self-control and he wanted to know what was in that jar, so he pushed the lid aside, letting those things go back to the abode of the gods. So all the good things flew away, soaring high above the earth, and hope was the only thing left. That's right, Aesop's Fables doesn't even blame Pandora. Here, it's explicitly a man who does the opening. It's a man who has no self-control, a man who is curious. Presumably this means Epimetheus, but regardless, it's definitely not Pandora. So... How, how, how do we get to the point that Pandora is now known as this, like, initiator of all evils because of her curiosity, because of her womanly curses? How do we have this idea that, at least according to Greek mythology, Pandora was explicitly the first woman and explicitly curious enough to open a box she was told not to open and thus release all of the evils into the world? To answer this question with simply misogyny seems too easy. And yet, here I am. But I also want to place some of the blame on those wild and crazy souls who jotted down what we now know of as the Bible. But fair warning, I know nothing about the Bible and I'm not about to read it now. Do Adam and Eve appear in the Old or New Testament? I want to say old, but do I know for sure? Absolutely not. Am I atheist as all hell? Definitely. Regardless, as a human person growing up in North America, you managed to learn enough about these origins to get a decent grasp on the blame placed upon Eve for eating the forbidden fruit. That is almost certainly derived from Pandora's myth, but there the blame is placed upon Eve with some evidence. Of course, I'm not remotely saying that Eve was in the wrong, but the woman does actually, like, do something to necessitate the blame she's given. Pandora, meanwhile, does absolutely nothing. Yet it's the story of Genesis, Eve choosing to eat the apple, of course she was right, I mean, who among us wouldn't have done that, that then seems to have influenced our understanding of Pandora, suggesting that Pandora made a similar decision, but without the backstory that would lead a modern person to agree with Eve's decision. 
Pandora has not promised anything of value like Eve. We're just supposed to believe, according to all these modern interpretations, that she chooses to open a box, even though the implication is that there would be something horrible that would happen. It's a fascinating thing, and frankly, this episode was originally going to be a little bit more retelling of the story, but you all know me, and I can't just retell a story like that. Because the thing is, the minute you start looking into her, both from the modern perspective and the ancient sources, you realize how horrifying the disconnect is. Almost everything we know about Pandora is a lie, or at least a complete manipulation of the ancient sources, right down to the vessel which holds all the evils. Because as I've been saying without explaining, Pandora had a jar. The vessel sent, we can assume, by the gods as this means of forcing evils to be released upon the earth through the act of this woman, who would go on to be the mother of all women, was not a box, but a jar. This is a thing that a lot more people understand these days, specifically if you've listened to my early episode on Pandora and her jar, but there is so much more to this mistranslation than the shape of the object. The vessel mentioned in Hesiod is not just any jar, but a pithos. This was an ancient Greek vessel that was enormous and meant to be buried within the earth or placed upon a stand, both of which would keep it standing up. It could not easily stand on its own. It was top heavy to the nth degree. As Natalie Haynes explains in her incredible book, Pandora's Jar, the error comes from a mistranslation or misinterpretation by a man named Erasmus in the 16th century, who was looking for a word to use to describe this pithos when he was translating it into Latin. Haynes then references a scholar who theorizes that Erasmus may actually have confused Pandora's pithos with Psyche's puxos, a literal box that she carried into the underworld. It's that or it's a simple translation issue, a simple choice in words, because Pandora's pithos becomes a casket, which becomes a box. And now I have to straight quote Natalie Haynes because I couldn't say it any better. Quote, Either way, the loser is Pandora, because while it might take effort to open a box, it's much easier to knock a lid off or smash a top-heavy ceramic jar. And yet, the linguistically doctored image of Pandora opening a box with malice aforethought is the one which has entered our culture. That the box was, in fact, an enormous and top-heavy jar with a simple lid or stopper that could easily come off with little to no effort is only part of how these mistranslations and misunderstandings have affected our view of her. But it's a big one. As Haynes states, we have this idea that she physically opened a box with malice, that she was too curious, she ignored warnings, that she chose to open this box, consequences be damned. None of that is true. The jar opened one way or another and the evils were released. The evils would have always been released. That's why the gods gave them to her. Pandora was the evils, released by the gods as punishment. But Pandora herself was not evil. She was created as a manipulation, a way to game the system, to punish the mortals regardless of what they did, regardless of how they handled anything in the situation. 
Which brings us directly to another fun mistranslation, or rather selective translation, that has manipulated Pandora's story. Kalon Kakon. Beautiful Evil. Kalon Kakon, Beautiful Evil. You may have clocked it in the Hesiod quote, or I guess the title of this episode. But Pandora is referred to as a beautiful evil, the price for the blessing of fire. Like I said, the phrase in ancient Greek is Kalon Kakon. It's a concept in itself, beautiful evil, but it's also a juxtaposition, a comparison of ideas. Except that it's translated in a way that implies a lot more than a comparison of good and bad. Beautiful is visual, and here it definitely has some feminine connotations too. Meanwhile, evil is moral and not at all visual. And in Greek, these words can both have different meanings, but their purpose together is as a juxtaposition, opposites. As Natalie Haynes points out, the phrase could mean ugly good, but it's never translated that way. It's a visual concept, one specifically used to connect to this woman. She is beautiful. And then there's a moral opposite, one to describe her as a person, evil. It suggests that her beauty is part of the evil, that her beauty is a ruse to lull someone in, only to revert to that opposite, the evil. It says a lot that this phrase meant to propose a set of opposites becomes something with a moral message through translation. And that isn't to say that Kakon can't mean evil, it definitely can, but it's quite the choice to translate this pair not as equal opposites, beautiful ugly or good evil, but to choose the positive side of the set as one of something visual and subjective, and the other as something moral and arguably objective. Thus, Pandora is a beautiful evil. She is a trick, rather than the jar being the trick. When with a different translation, she could easily be instead beautiful ugly. She could be simply both, a complex, multifaceted human rather than a moral lesson in the evils of women and their pesky curiosity. Pandora is so incredibly fascinating, not so much for her story in the ancient sources, because those are simple and lacking in much of the way of detail beyond Hesiod's take on her, where she still contains no signs of personality or human complexity or agency. She's fascinating because of what she's become now. Google Pandora and you get a swath of generalized stories with little to no ancient sourcing. You will get the story of a woman whose curiosity ruined humanity, a woman who consciously made the decision to release the world's evils. You'll get this archetype, beautiful evil, a woman whose story deserves the judgment. It tells a moral story. And none of these have any ancient sourcing attached except to sometimes quote Hesiod selectively. There's even a blog on Psychology Today that says, quote, Curiosity compels us to learn and to explore, which can lead to very positive outcomes. However, the tale of Pandora's box 
suggests that curiosity can lead also to negative outcomes. This idea of Pandora's box is now a thing of its own, a thing completely separate from the mythology of Pandora and her motivations or lack thereof. She has become this person of serious, evil, manipulative, malicious intent. The ancient story of Pandora and her enormous, top-heavy jar and complete lack of agency in her own story has been completely lost to this version of her based entirely in vilifying a curious woman and often women in general and espousing the dangers of human or, again, specifically a woman's curiosity, an objectively good thing. Oh, nerds, thank you all so much for listening. I'm curious how you guys feel about these episodes where I dive a little bit more into these sort of manipulations. They're not going to come up a lot. Storytelling will always be the primary purpose of this podcast, but I really like these ones too, where I get to really dig into what has happened and what has been influenced over time. If you want to, let me know what you think. But like I mentioned at the top, stay tuned in next week's episode for an announcement on the giveaway of signed copies of my book and other goodies, along with the same on the Myths Baby Instagram and Patreon. There will be three copies that are going to be given away with one specific to patrons, one specific to Instagram, and one in the email form. So if you've been thinking about becoming a patron, maybe now's the time. Same with following me on Instagram. This giveaway, too, will correspond to a call for your favorite moments of the podcast to mark the four-year anniversary. I want to hear your favorite stories, moments, quotes, so please start thinking of them now. Um, selected submissions are going to be aired on the podcast as part of this big anniversary episode because holy hell, it's been almost four years and for once I want to actually celebrate and interact with you guys while I do. Stay tuned for how and when to submit and how you can win a signed copy of my book along with some merch related goodies. But for now, get to thinking of those favorite moments, quotes, episodes, stories. Think about what episodes they're from and if you can find the timestamp, you will be my favorite people. Thank you all. What a time this has been. Holy shit. Four years. I can't wait to keep it going strong and wild and full of fully refreshed after my little break to cleanse my overworked brain. You are all the best. I am Liv and I love this shit. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Thank you.